So get out your Bibles. We're going to begin to uh, take the Word of God in hand this morning that the Lord will just minister to us today. It's something that I've been feeling just in my heart uh, for quite some time. I have mentioned it before. Will again. I can't preach something every Sunday that you've never heard before. In fact, I want to do that. I want to bring to you something that will build your faith, keep your faith. Little by little, Lord, build us, strengthen us. God, make us to grow just a little at a time. If we are children, which I believe we are, children of the kingdom, the child doesn't get to full strength full height and abilities in a month or in a year or in 10 years. It takes a while. And I think growing in, as, as children of the Lord, be patient. All right? Amen? See, God's got you working on me. I'm growing. I'm learning. As long as you are learning, as long as you are growing, God is faithful. He is faithful to do that work that He began in us. If we allow Him just a little bit Every time to touch us. Amen. So I want you to go with me. Got to get the Old Testament out here. I want to go with me to the book of, of Genesis, the sixth chapter. And I just want to take this one little verse here. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Sixth chapter and the fourteenth verse. And God said to Noah, thirteenth verse. God said to Noah, the, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 14, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it without or within, and with, without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, which is approximately 450 feet. The breadth of it or width of it 50 cubits which is approximately 75 feet and the height of it 35 cubits which is approximately 45 feet now I want you to go to the book of Hebrews with me New Testament uh, Hebrews the 8th chapter 5th verse the Lord talking Rehearsing what he said here to us. To Moses. Who served the pattern and shadow of heavenly things. Even as Moses was divinely warned about to make the tabernacle. For he says, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you in the mount." I want to go one more place. And that would be in the uh, book of Matthew, the first chapter. I just want to read this setting in the 18th verse. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was this way, where his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was discovered to be pregnant in womb by the Holy Spirit. But her husband, Joseph, being just, not willing to make her a public example, he purposed to put her away secretly as they were 
not married yet, before they were married. And as he was thinking about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord was seen by him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that in her is fathered by the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua. This is what the angel told Joseph. Of course, we don't speak in Hebrew or Aramaic. But his name shall be called Yeshua, English Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this happened and it might be fulfilled that spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive in her womb and will bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And being aroused from sleep, Joseph did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife and did not know her until she bore her son, the firstborn. And he called his name Yeshua. Thank you, Lord. We just pray. Lord, the simplicity of what we have to say today would just sink into us. It's something so simple. But yet it seems so complex to us. Lord, but it really is. It's something simple that you're guiding in our life. And we just pray, Lord, that you establish it in us. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. And Mary was wondering and pondering in her heart. You'll find this in the scripture. Mary was, I don't know how doubt maybe could have arose in her heart. Can you imagine these events? If an angel appeared to you and said, you're going to have a child. And you know by natural means that's not possible. And then you realize that you are pregnant in your womb and talking to the ladies now. Men can't have children. You say that for anybody out there who's listening from the woke congregation. <laughs> but she's bearing this child in her and knows that the, the Lord has overshadowed her and then she bears this son and somehow there's yet some pondering and wondering in her heart about these things. It seemed like to me it would be solved, right? All of you ladies that would experience something like you say, wow, that I can't even, I'll never question or wonder about that. That was nothing but miraculous and of God. But so as his life progressed, they find him in the temple. And Mary and Joseph have come back, remember, you know, a few days journey, they find him. And then they, they say to him, son, why are you doing this to us? And he says, I must be about my father's business. And now Mary ponders this in her heart again. Let me tell you something. You are human beings. Hello. 
I don't care what miraculous things happen in your life. You're a human. And humanity doubts God. It's just something that we do. And so we have to reassure ourselves in our faith in the Lord. And that's why it's an everyday walk. Somebody say amen. Today's walk is not going to do you very much good tomorrow unless you enact it tomorrow too. And so Mary has this sort of, you know, vacillating on her faith a little bit. But I want you to know something about Mary that I'm not even sure that she knew what she was saying. She said one of the most proud, profound things that anybody in Old Testament or New Testament said when she said to the servants at the marriage of Cana, when she said to them, whatever he says to you, do it. I don't think she really understood the gravity of that. Maybe just in passing. Because still, I mean, even at the wedding, she's kind of runs to the Lord and asks him to do something. And he, he refuses to put on a show or even for her do a miracle. And now she just walks away and says, whatever he says to you, just do it. And I'm not sure that she even realized what would happen. I'm sure she did not realize what would happen. But these words are the words that all Christianity needs to take heed to. Whatever he says to you, do it. Well, I want to talk about this morning, he's always right. Have you ever been around somebody who's always right? It grates on me. I just want to get something in there that might be right, and I can't do it because the person is always right. No matter where you go, no matter what you talk about, they're right. Well, let me tell you something about the Lord. He's right every time. It doesn't matter what situation it is. It doesn't matter uh, what you're going through, what you're thinking. Um... There's a lot of opinions and ideas out there. But there's one opinion. Anybody here watch Judge Judy? They got almost everybody. You like Judge Judy. At least she's got some common sense, right? So so I see her coming on and, and, and it's just a clip. And it says, my opinion is the only opinion that matters. Well, I don't know what you think about the Lord, but I'm going to put him in that place right now. His opinion is the only one that matters. We love you. We honor you. We put our arms around you. But your opinion doesn't matter. The Lord's opinion matters. Boy, that's I thought we all just come and bring our opinions together and then the Lord can pick from one. Well, they did that. But, but uh, if you add to what the Lord says, or you take away from because he's always right and if we add to what he says it's the same as taking away from you know what the result of adding to what he says is goose egg zero the result of taking away from what he says it's just nothing zero and and so there's a lot of examples in the bible of this i just want to talk about manna for just a second the manna fell in the wilderness, we all know about manna. 
Uh, it was like little coriander seed and it, and it fell and I didn't really know about dew until we moved to Oklahoma. Yes. Don't walk on your grass in the morning unless you're wearing waterproof shoes. Is there is these little, I don't know if you see little balls, little beads of water that's all over the grass, everywhere. Well, this is kind of like what the coriander seed, the manna of God. And it just fell. They go out to pick it up. And now the Lord gives them direction. And if you do it God's way, you're, everything's going to be fine. And so I want to I want I want to look at what they did and what we do sometimes because he said, six days thou shall go out and collect this. And, and if you can't get an omer, an omer, and I'm not exactly sure what an omer is, but but that's what every person ate, one omer. So that must have been. And then they ground it up, made, made bread out of it, said it tasted like uh, heavenly bread, heavenly angels food. And and the word for manna was, what is it? They didn't even know what it was, but God had supplied it. They go out six days, and now, don't collect any more than an omer. Don't do it. Because if you do, the worms will get in it. It won't be good tomorrow. And they did it anyway. It's just exactly like us. Well, I can cut a corner. I can make this thing easier. I won't have to go out tomorrow if I get two overs. And so they got the two overs, the, the, the one per person, and, and, and they, they ground it, and they baked it, and ate it, and then the next morning they went to the other omer and there's worms in it. See, the Lord is, the Lord's right. But on the Sabbath day, on the sixth day, getting ready for the Sabbath, he says, you collect those two omers. Then one omer for the sixth day, one omer for the seventh day, and put it up, and the worm won't get in. So I'm thinking, the word of God is like the man. Jesus said, I am the bread that come down out of heaven. And the word of God is given to us. We go out and collect it every day. I would instruct and admonish this church that every day you collect the manna of heaven. Every day you get it off the ground and you you take it and you you make it and you eat it in your life. That's going to be your provision for the day. And so every day don't fail to go out and get the manna. Can everybody say amen? amen. You kind of look at me like I'm preaching something that is so weird you've never even heard before. But you've heard it a hundred times and I say it again. This is an everyday thing. This isn't a, a weekly, well, I'll catch Sunday. No, it's not. No, it's every day. Give us this day our daily bread. And so we collect every day. But then, then, the, then, then I was just kind of thinking about this is that on the Sabbath, then you don't have to go out and collect because the Lord prepared the table before you. You come to his house. And he's already got it set out. Can you say amen? amen? So we have this sort of like parallel. But the, the Lord's right on that. So even though it seems like we can take a shortcut with the Lord, if we fail to do it his way, we're going to end up with problems every single time. And I speak from experience this morning. And, and so Mary in this wedding tells the servants, do whatever he says. What did Jesus tell them to do? There were six water pots that they used ceremonially to wash their hands 
before they ate. How many knows how Jesus feels about washing your hands before you eat? He ran into problems with them on this because the disciples went through the field. They got some wheat, corn, whatever it was. They ate it. They didn't wash their hands. And the Pharisees came in and said, you are breaking our custom and our law. So the Lord's going to break the custom and the law in his first miracle. He's turning not only the water into wine, but he's turning the ceremonial water pots just into water holders that don't mean anything. And so, fill them to the top. Now, if these servants had not filled them completely to the top, would there have been a miracle? I say not. If they had used other parts, no, no, we can't use those because those people washing our hands in and we, we have to have this, this ceremony to wash the hands. And so we've got these other pots over here, Lord. These are good. These will be great. And we'll fill them to the top. And if they had filled them to the top, guess what the result would have been? Zero. It had just been full of water. If they don't fill the water pots the way he says to do, they're just going to be full of water and nothing else. Nothing will happen. But they have to do just exactly what the Lord says. But this is a beautiful thing. They don't need to do more than what he said. Religion takes you beyond what he says. To set up more rules and guidelines and dogmas and all these determinations of, of orthodoxy and church over the years, 2,000 years of church, brings us beyond what he said. I'm trying to get back. And we talked about this. I don't want to do more than what he says. See, the problem is we think that if we do more, it's better. But if we do more, it's worse. What happens to us is we fall into our own self-righteousness if we do more than what he said. Because when we go beyond what he said, then we're on our own. And we're doing it out of our own strength. And out of our own might and our own ability. And so I would encourage you this morning. You don't need to go beyond what he said to do. But I don't want you to hold up short of what he said to do either. You need to do what he said to do. But just not beyond what he said to do. And so the point for this. What Mary had said and, and what the Lord did. The point is just do what he said to do. It's the simple Christian life. So I look at Noah. And just a few examples here of, of men that, that heard from God and then. So Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord said to Noah, build an ark of gopher wood. Now I don't, I'm a carpenter, but I don't know what gopher wood is. Somebody had to fill me in. There's some brand of or strand of wood that maybe maybe it was a little hard to get to. I, I, I'm going to kind of feel that way. Maybe it was something Noah had to reach out of the comfort zone to do. Because the Lord specified that it needs to be out of gopher wood. Just like he specified the Ark of the Covenant need to be out of acacia wood. Why? And, you know, in Noah's defense, 
I just used something that, that's readily available close to home here. We got some trees in the backyard. They look good enough. We're just building a boat anyway, right? Wood, wood floats. So does it matter what kind of wood? If God told him to build it, go for wood. Build it 450 feet long. Can't, okay. A football field is 300 feet long. Half again more than a football field. That is a big, big project. I mean, we think we, Rodney just finished up, we, we, we finished up this house up there and it was kind of two houses and it looked like a big project. And it was, yeah, it was one of the bigger things that, that we built, worked on. And, and uh, that wouldn't even be a start on this boat. No wonder it took him a hundred years. Wow. And so, Lord, I have to use gopher wood and I have to 450 feet, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. We're not talking about a couple of trees here, folks. We're talking about a forest. We're talking about some labor. Our future the world, planet Earth, was dependent upon Noah doing what God said to do. If he had made it 400 feet long, guess what would have happened? She'd have gone down. So now it's a little bit too wide, a, a little high. I, I see maybe the boat might toss and turn. Let's just make it 25 feet high. That, I think. And, and then Mama came along and, and she had an opinion what to do. From the sons, I'm sure they did. But there's some things that Mama and the, the children don't weigh in on. Right. Yeah, and men, I'm going to talk to you now. Uh, we've been talking about men. I'm going to tell you, men, there's some things they don't weigh in on. That's right. And I love them. And I appreciate them. But God's directive is first in my life. And so I can't go by the opinion of any other person, even though they're close and we love every person. God's directive is first in our life, men. And when God sets us and sets our house and sets in order, then we don't have an option to listen to other voices. We just need to do what he says to do. Can I get an overwhelming amen right there? And so Noah, the beautiful thing is, I think it's the 22nd verse of 6th chapter, it said, and, and Noah did everything that God told him to do. Easiest thing in the world, even though it was knuckle-busting, muscle-hurting years on end of, of just trying to put this massive boat together, when he did everything that God told him to do, he saved the world. That's why we're here. Somebody said, no, the world was never flooded. Well, you're a devil and you can just go on with your doctrine on to hell somewhere. I believe what the Bible said. And I believe that Noah then became the father in place of where Adam was the original father, now Noah, everything, every, all seed came from them because his obedience to God. Can you say that? Isn't that beautiful? And so we read another thing. We read about Moses. 
And so Moses, uh, in Hebrews, I could have gone to the Old Testament to see this, but just want to take the book of Hebrews because I like this statement. Moses was divinely warned I am laying out for you God says a tabernacle that you will build Moses I'm not building it you are but I want you to know that you're going to build it the way I say to build it and so God gives him explicit Instructions. I'm telling you, I mean, I have seen some plans on some buildings that, that kind of staggered me a little bit. I can't even imagine what Moses is going through with this. Mind-boggling, the detail is mind-boggling. How could you ever even remember all the things that had to be done perfectly right and set and I don't even it's not even possible that Moses could remember all this but I believe surely that God was reminding him the whole time that the spirit of the Lord raised up going to build a tabernacle but Moses is going to build it the people are going to build it but Moses is divinely warned Moses don't you dare build it like you want to build it. Don't take a shortcut. If I said put gold there, you put gold there. If I said put silver there, you put silver there. If I said use a certain type of wood over here, you use that wood. And where I told you to place the implements, that's where you place them. And everything was designed by God. And Moses perfectly built it according to the plan of God. God spoke it to him. Nine months later, that baby was born. Nine months later, it came to fruition. Nine months later, now the glory of God filled that temple, or filled that tabernacle rather, in such a way that mortal men could not even enter it to minister. Here they are with all the priest guard. They're ready to go in. They got all the stuff. They got the sacrifice. And God won't even let him in because his glory has filled it because Moses did exactly what God told him to do. Nothing more and nothing less. See, this is where God works with us. God works with us what he has told us. Nothing more and nothing less. Can you say amen? Everybody's listening to me this morning. Say amen. amen. So Joseph. Can we set up for a challenge? Can you imagine the doubt that's in his mind? He's going to marry this young lady. And find out that she's with child. I think all you men would think just exactly what Joseph was thinking. This girl hasn't been faithful. Because I know it wasn't me. He's got this great doubt. He said, well, but he cares about her. He's just going to put her away uh, so she won't be, you know, publicly abused. In that day, 
it was it was a big thing. If you didn't have a husband and you had a child, that, that was a big thing. I mean, it still is a little bit, not nearly like it was. And uh, so he's going to put her away. Wow, this is the girl he wanted to marry. This is the one. I'm not marrying her if she's been unfaithful. He's having a child by somebody else. And about that time he goes to sleep. An angel of the Lord stepped into his dream. I don't know how this works. I've never had this experience, but Joseph did. Some of you may have had a, a dream. Now, the scripture does talk about in the last days I'll pour out my spirit. One of those things is that they would dream dreams. And I don't think it's nightmares, y'all. I don't think it's from eating too many, you know, too much sauce and pickles or whatever. <laughs> think of dream dreams that God stepped into. The angel of the Lord stepped into his dream and said to him, Joseph, don't be afraid to take this woman to your wife because what's done in her is something is birthed in her by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And what will be born in her will be called Emmanuel. Going back to Isaiah's prophecy, he would be called Emmanuel. If you look at that in the Hebrew, that is not just God with us casually. That is Yahweh has come to be with us. And so he wakes from the dream. And he, uh, he takes her as his wife, knowing that she's carrying the child. And a beautiful thing is I believe the angel told him this also, and it doesn't record it, but I believe the angel told him, don't you touch her. Because there's going to be no doubt where this baby came from. No doubt. And so Joseph, what a good man. I'll tell you what, this guy, you talk about walking by faith. He's still just walking by faith. He has no proof that Mary has not been faithful to him. He has no proof except for the vision, the dream that he had. And now in his heart, he's walking it out in faith. And he's believing what God told him. Now, Joseph, you just have to do a couple of things. One of them is you need to marry her, which he does. The next one is don't touch her. Which the scripture says explicitly, he does not know her until the firstborn is born. You got one more issue, one more duty. And that is this one, this one is paramount. This one can't, there's no flexibility at all. You can't miss on this. This is the one that has to be done. You will call his name. Yeshua. You can't miss on this one. Don't call him something else. Don't call him after your family. Don't name him. Remember John when God said name John the Baptist. Name him John and they said no one has been called that in his family. What they did they would take their ancestors and they would pick one and name him from that. Don't name this Yeshua from an ancestor. This one has a particular name and his name is not 
Joshua, but it is Yeshua. It is God has come to save. And call him Yeshua because he will save his people from their sin. It's not what Joshua did. Joshua led him into a place. But this one, this one is peculiar. He is, he is conceived peculiar. He is born peculiar. And he is named peculiar. There is no name that will fit him. Except God, Yahweh, has come to save. And they called his name Yeshua. Thank you, Joseph. All he did was what God told him to do. He didn't add anything to it. He didn't take anything from it. Can you say that's a faithful man? That is a faithful man. I'll tell you, we don't preach much about Joseph, but, but I'll look at his life and say that guy was faithful to God. That guy was faithful to carry out his duty. Even though it may have been small, he was faithful to do exactly what God told him to do. We would have never got to Philippians, the second chapter, if Joseph had not named him Yeshua. We'd have never got there. We'd have danced around it, maybe, possibly. It's just not possible that he could be named anything but Yeshua. And so nine months later, that baby was born and the glory of God rested in him so that men now would be removed from ministry and there would just be one ministry and his name was Yeshua. That every eye, every name would submit and every eye would turn to him. So Philippians, the second chapter, let's, let's just read that again. The Lord's name, it preached from birth to death. And so we get to Philippians, it talks about his death. Second chapter and eighth verse. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, having become obedient until death, even the death of the cross. And it says, and therefore. Now there's a group of people that want to believe that, that what Jesus did qualified him for this. Is that somehow he was adopted because he was such a good Man that God adopted him as Savior and Lord. But I'm going to have to, and, and, and so I search research this just a little bit because I don't believe that. I believe that at his birth, and so it, it uses this word, and therefore the Greek word is dio, and this word has two directions that are expressed in the word dio. It's looking backward, and it's looking forward. It's looking backward because, and it's looking forward, therefore. And all you'll see in the scripture is therefore and therefore. But we have to look backwards too. Because if Joseph had never named him Yeshua, then we don't have him here, his name above all names. We only just can do that because Joseph was obedient to the Lord in the first place. And so the name was given to him, not in death. The name was given to him in birth. In fact, the name was given to him before the earth air was created. And so to look at this and say he was rewarded for going to the cross and God gave him a name. I, I can't do that. God had already planned a name and he had already given him a name before the foundations of the world. Can a church say amen right there? 
And so let's read the rest of the scripture. And therefore, because God had already decided formerly, and because he went to the cross as Yeshua, and therefore God highly exalted him and gave him a name back then, above every name, that in the name Yeshua, every knee should bow of the heavenly and of earthly and of those under the earth, and every tongue should confess forward that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God Father, of the Father of Him, and all Joseph had to do was what God told him to do. Therefore, we have a name that's above all names. Can you say amen? amen. We've got a name that's above all names. That at that name, every knee should bow. Thank you, Lord. I want to kind of, I want to talk about Peter for just a couple of minutes and then, and then we're going to conclude. But the last instructions that were given to Peter in John 21, you can go home and read it some other time, but uh, Jesus called them to come and eat, come and dine with him. They were out fishing. Have you any meat? No, we don't have Come and dine. He had fish and bread on fire prepared. And now after the disciples had eaten, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And I don't know why Peter felt singled out, wouldn't you? In a whole group of people and, and then the Lord, you know, just reached Justin, do you love me? Why didn't he ask everybody that, right? Do you love me? Lord, you, you know, you know I, I, I feel it. We're friends. We're buddies. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He keeps saying agape, and Peter keeps avoiding it by saying Philip. Yes, Lord, you know, we're friends, we're buddies. We're on the same team here. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? I mean, that's three times, I mean, it's just embarrassing Peter. But it's for a reason, it's for a purpose. And finally, Peter says, Lord, you know, you know all things. Why are you asking me this? You know that I love you, Lord. Then feed my sheep. See, Peter had to do everything by threes, right? He denied the Lord how many times? I mean, it was just a, a lot of threes in Peter's life. I won't go through those, but. But now Jesus says an interesting thing to Peter. He said, Peter, when you were a young man, you went wherever you wanted to go and you did what you wanted to do, but when you get old, they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. And then the scripture said he was, he was referring to his death. See, he's still got Peter isolated out here in front of all the disciples. And it feels like he's, you know, kind of chiding Peter a little bit. But what is so important to the Lord is that he's got to feed those sheep and he's got to feed them the right thing. The problem we have with church is they've got a lot of, quote, shepherds that are not feeding the church the right thing. They're feeding the church all kinds of stuff that's not going to work in their life. So Peter, you feed my sheep. Now you're going to go where you don't want to go. So now Peter, about this time, he's, he's done. He's fed up. He's been, he's been on the point. Okay. What about John? Now let's talk about him for a little bit. 
And Jesus says to Peter, see, this is the problem, Peter. You want to compare your walk with me to what John is doing. You don't get to do that. I'm speaking to you this morning. You want to compare things and make them equal and fair. I've heard a lot in the church, God, that's not fair. You have the right to say that. God doesn't work under fair. Peter, you're going to go down some roads that these other men are not going down, but that's not any of your business. And the Lord bears, I guess this whole sermon comes to this right here. Peter, I've got one instruction for you and one final word. You follow me. You can't serve the Lord in a group and just be part of the following. You have to serve him individually and when you do that, he's going to put you in his group. I got one instruction for the church. One thing, only just one thing for you. Don't get churchy. Don't do the right things. Just do what he tells you to do. And, and I know this. We pendulum swing. Is there anybody in here that pendulum swings besides me and my family? Thank you, Brother Dustin, the only one that is truthful here this morning about this. If we see a thing that we feel is wrong, what do we do? We pendulum all the way over to the other side. Sometimes we go too far, right? Abortion is wrong. We hate it. So let's burn down the abortion clinics. No, no, that's a pendulum swing. You're not going to fix anything but burning down abortion clinics. They'll get abortions in the back alley somewhere if they have to. It's the heart issue that needs it, right? Amen? And so we see, you know, people that are that are, are desecrating, that are, that are anti-patriotic. So we're going to go way up to being overly zealous and patriotic. And it's just who we are. It's who we are. We don't live our life based on what someone else is doing. And this is what the Lord is saying to me about Peter. Don't base your life on what someone else is doing. Yes, we have examples. Yes, we have good men. We have men that are preaching the gospel. Men that are living the gospel. Men that are good men. But you can't live your life on them. You've got to follow Jesus. You've got to do what he says to do. And there's nowhere to hide with that. You can't take a shortcut. A lot of people are using grace for a shortcut. Well, I just won't do it. God will give me grace. No. you got to do what he says to do. Can somebody say amen? amen? Those that love me will keep my commandments. Why? Because they realize that this is where my connection with the Lord is, is doing what he tells me to do. He cannot be my master if, I don't, if I'm not his servant. He cannot be my rabbi if I'm not his disciple. And so I take instruction from him, listen to him, implement it in my life. And God help us. I've made mistakes at it. I've shortcut it. I used to tell the boys this. Guys, 
Let's don't try and shortcut because if we do, we're going to have to come and tear that apart and redo it. Let's just do it the hard way first. And if you just do it the right way first, even though it may be a little tougher, maybe, maybe it's a lot better than trying to come back and repair things in your life. Just say, Lord, I, I've got my will. I've got my opinion. I know what I think, but I'm going to submit that to you. And I want to hear what you have to say over my life because you are right every time. Can the church say amen? God's right every time. His word's right. He's just right. And so, Lord, we're no different than Peter. We, we're all concerned about somebody else. We're all concerned about their finances. Look at that. Lord, you blessed them and you didn't bless me. That's not fair. God doesn't play fair. He makes the rules anytime he wants them. He'll lead you down a path that somebody else, he didn't lead down that path. Every one of us here this morning don't have leukemia. We've got one person that God has somehow, I don't know why, I don't know why it happened to him, but he's had to go down this path. And Jake could look at everybody here and say, God, this is not fair. Why did I get this and nobody else got it? We can look at it that way. You know what the Lord is saying, Jake? Follow me. That's right. So wherever you're at in life, whatever's happened to you, Whatever things are going on, you're trying to go, look, some of us are trying to do better. We're trying to find other jobs. We're trying to find different locations. All that stuff going on. Listen, I'm telling you, God has got a plan and a purpose in your life. Let me tell you what that plan and purpose is. You strip everything else down in your life. It doesn't matter. Jesus be the center of my life. It's the only thing that counts. It's the only thing that will work in the long-term run in your life. It's the only thing that will work. Is if we do what he says to do. How simple is that? You don't have to make anything up. You don't have to try anything extra. All you got to do is what he says to do. And that's what we want to do. Can you say that? Everybody here want to do what the Lord says to do? Well, I do. I, and sometimes we have questions. You know, there's things that come up, but but you know, eventually the Lord's going to show us the path and the way. You know, we just walk in it. But the willingness in our heart to do it, God is going to show us. It's like consider the Lord in all your ways; He'll direct your paths. Well, I'm a Christian, so I believe God just directed my order and my step. No, no, wait a minute. You didn't consider Him, and now you want Him to direct something that you did. So we say, Lord. You said to consider you, so all of my paths, all of my ways, I lay it before you. All of my life, I lay it before you. We stand with you. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for listening. I bore my heart of what God placed in my spirit. I want to be a leader in this. You know, for some time now, we've been talking about what's happened to church and all the stuff people have added all of the things that go on under the name of denomination, organization, and all that business. And non-denominational too. I mean, just church in general. And we strip all of that away. There's just one thing that stands and that is, Lord, we just want to do what you said to do. 
We're going to find those things and we're going to do them. And God help us. Can you say amen? I want by the raising of hand, if you would say over your own self, that's what I want. I'm going to, I'm going to take an effort in my life to just do what he said to do and cut everything else out in my life. Would you just raise your hand with me? Look at that. Look at that. That's the answer. It's the answer. Lord, we thank you. We pray, Lord, that your word has spoken to us and touched our hearts. And somehow, Lord, we've seen men. We've put examples of old men, Lord, in ways of old that, that they just listened to you and look at the result. They just did what you said and look at the result. Lord, the things that they did, we can't do, but you will lead us into things. The Lord, you just want us to follow you. Whatever your directive is. And we pray for that directive. We pray for understanding. We pray, Lord, that you would give us clear vision and insight. And we will do where you lead us. We will do, Lord, what you, what you call us to do. And I pray over this church body, Lord, we're getting ready for a new thing. We're getting ready for something else. Lord, And we don't want to just jump in there and do our thing. But we want to hear you, Lord. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear you, Lord. We just want to do what you would have us to do. Yes. And Lord, make it that simple to us and that plain to us. We pray in your name, Jesus. Everybody say amen.